Hello, hello. Uh, oh, first of all, uh, it seems like we will be doing this in English. I apologize for any inconvenience. I also apologize for any misunderstandings regarding the starting time tonight. We decided to wait for half an hour for the sun to set a bit more so we can make out what's going on on the screen. Um, yeah, with that out of the way, um, we're going to see a documentary called The Man Who Stole Banksy, brought to you by Art Street, HBG, and um, Doc Lounge. Uh, so, I've been lucky and blessed enough to have three people on a little panel, and I thought we would talk about not so much maybe the, the movie in general, because we're speaking before the screening, so we don't want to spoil anything, but I hope that we can chit-chat a bit about maybe street art in general. And I would like to ask my uh, dear panel participants to introduce themselves, starting way out on the ledge there. Please, if you would. My name is uh, Moa Sundberg, and I work at the Urban Planning Department for the Municipality of Helsingborg. And I'm an urban designer, and I work with uh, the feeling of safety in the urban environment and the public places here in Helsingborg. And I've slipped into this kind of field, street art and graffiti, through that kind of work. And I think I'll leave it at that Good at enough. the moment. Welcome. And My name is Kiki Eld, and I work at the Swedish Heritage Board. And uh, I'm very new at this field. I've been working at museums, and I have a position now where I'm supporting the museums with their work. And uh, with my colleague, uh, Matthias Strömer, I have learned about, a little about street art and graffiti from his earlier work at uh, Swedish, uh, see, what was it called, the traveling uh, exhibition agency that now doesn't exist any longer, but he's also employed at the Heritage Board. And we have started to see what this has to do with heritage and also with the museum field when it comes to, to uh, sort of making the street art and graffiti come into the institutions and what it means to the, to the whole field. We're very happy to have you dropping by on your vacation, taking time out to sit in with us. So yeah, you're warmly welcome. And uh, last but not least, in any sense, my good sir. So my name is Peter Bengtsson. I'm an associate professor uh, of art history and visual studies at Lund University. And I've been working with street art since 2006, written a couple of books about it. And I'm now one of the coordinators of an organization called Urban Creativity Lund. Uh, some of the people from my organization were here yesterday doing an Ask the Professor session. You may have met some of them. Um, and we're trying to uh, inform the public about the work that we're doing in academia and sort of trying to bridge the gap between uh, academic research on graffiti and street art and, uh, and the general public. Yeah, welcome, Peter. All right, I think um, Banksy 
being sort of a household name uh, by this point in time, um, we know who he is, but I'm not quite sure uh, everyone has the full background on him, like where he came from and all those things. And I was hoping, Peter, maybe you could briefly enlighten me and all of us about that, if you please. Yeah, so Banksy started as a graffiti writer in Bristol uh, in the 90s and uh, then got into working with stencils gradually, um, ostensibly because he was not very good at uh, freehand graffiti. I'm not sure if that's really true or not. Um, but the stencil became his trademark style, and this was around 1999. Uh, and then he became progressively more famous up until around 2006 when he had his first uh, major exhibition in Los Angeles called Barely Legal, where he uh, dressed out an entire warehouse in his works. He had a painted elephant. Um, it was painted like uh, wallpaper, so it, it fell in with the room that it was in. Of course, being a play on the uh, saying an elephant in the room. Um, and uh, as a result, partly of that, uh, of that exhibition, he became very famous very quickly. Um, he had uh, several auction uh, records uh, shortly after that. Uh, there was talk of the Banksy effect because as Banksy became uh, more and more uh, popular with, with uh, the art consumers, uh, people who were buying his work, he took other um, artists with him. So it wasn't just Banksy that went to auction all of a sudden, it was a whole host of artists whose work all of a sudden was swept up in this, in this uh, so-called Banksy effect. And then, of course, in 2010, uh, he created uh, Exit Through the Gift Shop that was screened last year here at the festival, uh, which was nominated for an Oscar, and that, that uh, of course, uh, made him even more uh, famous. Um, and then he's done a bunch of other stunts. The most famous recent one is when he shredded uh, one of his paintings at, uh, at a Sotheby's uh, auction. I'm sure many of you have, have seen that. Yeah. Um, you mentioned stencil graffiti. Could, do you by any chance know when that became a thing? Was Banksy the first one to, to do that? Uh, no. Um, stencils have been used for various purposes uh, for a long time. They're used in the military to mark things. They're used in construction to, to mark containers and so on. They've been used as a form of protest, uh, especially in dictatorships, where instead of writing um, Mussolini sucks uh, a hundred times in the street, it was much easier to cut a stencil and then go out and spray it because you can get a more detailed image uh, in a shorter period of time. So it has a long history, uh, especially within protest movements. Um, artistically, it's hard to say exactly when it started uh, because, yeah, I, I mean, screen printing in a way is, is, is sort of like a stencil way. So, um, and, and that goes back a long time, but you have uh, artists uh, in the street uh, from around the 70s. Uh, you, you, you have the first sort of well-documented examples of it, both in, uh, in the US, but also in, um, also in Europe, especially in France. So why do you personally think Banksy is so successful? Is it because he came at, uh, around at the right moment in time, or is he simply more brilliant than the lot of them? What do you think? Um, Banksy has, well, he, he came up at, at the right time. The, the whole generation around, you know, that came up around the year 2000, uh, up until 2005, that really started to get big around that time. 
many of them have become very successful. Um, but Banksy also has a way of, um, of, of constantly renewing himself. Um, branching into film, for instance, uh, was, was a move that uh, some artists had, had, had tried before, but not on that level. Getting an Oscar nomination, of course, was, was very important. Um, so so, so the, the ability to think outside of the box and to renew himself. And then, of course, now he also has a, a very good PR machine that, that, that contributes to this. Thanks. Mouwa, um, uh, in the film we were about to see, uh, Banksy goes to uh, Palestine and paints and, well, ruckus commences, in short, without spoiling anything. Um, now, I don't know if you have the mandate exactly to answer this question I'm about to pose, but how do you think uh, it would be perceived, uh, or actually, rather, uh, how would the city of Helsingborg react? Um, what measures would be taken if Banksy came here uh, uninvited and, and made a few works? What do, you, what do you think it would mean for the city and, and so forth, if you follow my question? Well... I don't know if anything has been done in Sweden, so it's hard to anticipate how much, uh, what would happen, how many people would come to Helsingborg or to Sweden to see it. But uh, it would also depend on how how close to the city center it is, I guess. I mean, we, we talked about, made fun about what would happen if it, if it did it on the city hall. Yeah, and let's uh, do that. Well, if he painted a derelict building and the dust in the industrial area, and that's one scenario, and if he painted yeah. the, the city hall, if Banksy painted our city hall, what do you think would happen? I, I, I think maybe the people of Helsingborg would want it there. I, would, I, I think so, yeah. Yeah, I, but, think so. I, yeah. I agree, but <laughs> it's, it's quite funny as um, Tobias Barentin Limblad was here. Um, holding a lecture yesterday and he pointed to an example um, where uh, he does uh, tours of street art and he would point out to garbage bins that someone had painted into happy characters and people loved those but they were uh, they were illegally made still and later on the tour he passes a door with just graffiti tags scribbles and they are also uh, not uh, I mean uh, commissioned artwork and most people on the tour hated those and his point was that both of them are, what is it, criminal criminal damage, defacement, what, what's the legal term here? Help. Well, damage to Scott property or something. Yeah, and, property damage. And yeah. I guess in, in, the, in a legal sense, it is. Exactly. But I think it's also in how, how much do people appreciate it. And if people call for some kind of protection for the art because they like it so much, then I guess it would be safe. But if, if he did something that wasn't, appreciated by someone and they would report it to our sanitizer and they would probably remove it mm. if nobody recognized it. Interesting. Kiki, yes. being from Visby or situated in Visby, yeah. what do you think would happen if Banksy came out there and painted the, the, the ring muir, the wall, the medieval wall around the city center? Or the royal palace in Stockholm. <laughs> yeah. <that's laughs> well... Um, the city wall of Visby is uh, looked after by the National Heritage Board, so I guess it would be at my at my job that we would discuss it. And 
I'm not sure, but I think it would be re removed. But we have a lot of good conservators, so we could make a strapo and save it, but take it away from the wall. I think that would happen. Okay. Yeah, I think both you and Moa seem to be hinting that some form of democratic process would, would commence and people would have basically a saying in, in what, to, what would happen to that artwork. Yes, and I also think that it would be such a bad uh, scenario. Well, <laughs> it would be really bad for the Heritage Board if they just destroyed it. Mm. That would would just bring so much problem and and bad advertisement and everything for the Heritage Board. So I think you had to try to to save it but take it away from the wall because that would open up for destroying the wall with letting so, uh, anyone do anything. Mm, mm, mm. Thanks for the answers. Um, Peter, let's go back to Banksy again. And I know it's futile to ask, uh, try to fish for any information regarding uh, the persona. And Banksy is anonymous, uh, just like many street artists prefer to be. But I was wondering sometimes if 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 that whole thing isn't a a publicity stunt in, in, of sorts. I'm thinking uh, about uh, like a rock band like Kiss or a more current example, Ghost, that has secret members and are masked on stage and everything. And I think uh, that was like a, a deal that Kiss had with the media and between record labels and the band and the media, not to post photos of them without the makeup because then there wouldn't be any hype around it, then they would have nothing to write about and so forth. And are you aware if that is uh, the case in the case of Banksy or what do, you, what do you believe is the case? I mean, there are a lot of people who know uh, who or what Banksy is. But um, for some reason, people are keeping quiet. There's a saying that those who speak don't know and those who know don't speak, right? And uh, that's, that's very much the case with Banksy. Uh, that's that's all I'm gonna say about that. Well, I, I know, <laughs> but 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 I wanted to just add something to yes, please to uh, to what was said before, because when we're talking about cultural heritage and we're talking about Banksy's paintings, there's a tendency sometimes to think that if Banksy comes and paints something, that that that's necessarily a positive thing. Um, but actually, what what tends to happen. Um, fairly quickly is that people who want attention uh, go to the place where Banksy has painted and add their stuff mm. to the wall and in some cases you know try to destroy Banksy's piece because they don't like um, what Banksy has become um, so you can actually end up with a building or uh, a monument if it's painted on a monument now I don't think Banksy would do that anymore but never say never, but uh, you could actually end up with, with quite significant damage to a building. Um, so it's not necessarily a blessing. And the same goes for people who own homes uh, where Banksy has painted. There was one case in, in Britain where a building was uh, was painted in a, in, in a relatively small village next to um, an MI6 listening facility or something like that. And what happened was that the community uh, made a democratic uh, decision or tried, they, they made a, a petition to list the house mm. so that, so that uh, <laughs> you know, so it had to be protected. 
And the owner was not particularly happy about this because the owner was actually in the process of renovating uh, the house and wanted to sell it. And it would be very difficult to do. The, the value of the house would, would go down significantly uh, because of that painting. So it created a lot of problems for that owner. I think there is sort of an example of, of what you say coming up in the film we're about to see. Um, but it leads me on to, uh, I want to ask Kiki again, if, if you could maybe help me determine what, what is it that m makes value in, in art? What is it that decides the price tag of an artwork? Well, then I must say I'm the wrong person because I've been working in museums where we have items that are just exist one of them and they're not for for selling so i don't know any value in money mm -hmm. i only know the ma uh, value in in uh, uniqueness or authenticity or or why it's worth to be in a collection mm. i i i i haven't studied at all what brings up the price on on the market okay but you're somewhat involved in, in museums, how they're curated, or what is supposed to go into their collections, right? Yes, and uh, mostly what I've been working with is archaeology and uh, medieval church art and mm. things like that, that you don't, you don't sell. Mm. You just have Prices. it. <laughs> uh. But I was thinking, um, uh, the, in, in the film, the, the question of authenticity pops up and maybe you've had that happen with with frauds or, um, uh, art, artwork in, in in your line of work yes. and a point is made in this film that it's quite hard to authenticate uh, or, or to confirm that it's a proper Banksy painting I could print a stencil and spray paint that rock over there and go Banksy did that and he's not gonna get in touch and say that he didn't because he's a secretive um, uh, you're saying that street art is on the way into your uh, area or line of work, but I mean, do you think that would be a problem once these th pieces are uh, about to end up in museums and so to confirm that they're real objects and not uh, copies and so on? Well, the whole thing with with the modern art scene is that it's 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 the whole whole subject is about. What is a copy? What is uh, after after Duchamp's ready-mades? You you can't really talk about authenticity in that way because there's so many ways to to deal with with copies and uh, replicas and all that. So so it's a, it is a question that still uh, already is discussed and. I would say that it's no difference here because you have it with the old masters as well. You, mm. you, you have a name, but you don't know who painted it, and mm. you're talking about schools, and so, so it would be just the same thing that already is discussed. Okay. Oh, good. Moa, you looked very eager to add on. Please go ahead. Well, I was thinking about well, uh, street. Some street artists are uh, and graffiti artists are anonymous, but yeah. then you said. You, but you still can't talk to the old masters, so I guess it's the same. Yeah, good point. Yeah. Um, uh, Peter, if uh, if Banksy was revealed, if his identity was revealed, or whatever it is, whatever Banksy is, what do you think that would mean to uh, the career, or, I mean, to the art world? What, what would happen if everyone overnight knew who did all these paintings? Would he be prosecuted? 
possibly. Um, it kind of depends. Um, they tried to catch him in New York when he did his, in 2013, when he did his month-long uh, unofficial artist residence there. Um, they might want to prosecute if he ever uh, is caught in the United States. I've, I don't know. Um, I also don't know if there's a statute of limitations that would prevent them from pr prosecuting him Differs there. Differs from country to country, I believe. Yeah, exactly. So, so, so that would be difficult to mm. say. I, I think... Um, I think that the mystery would go away a little bit, so so perhaps the media wouldn't be as interested anymore, which might, um, to some extent, damage uh, his career. Um, but then again, he's already made it so far in his career that I'm not sure that that it would really matter that much. He is, um, he is the kiss of the art world. That's what I was saying. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and 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 there's I mean there's already so much money behind him, and I mean people have invested so heavily uh, mm. in his art. And when we're talking about authenticity, I just wanted to add that he, Banksy set up, or some people around Banksy set up uh, Pest Control, which is an authentication agency. Mm -hmm. um, so if you want to know if a Banksy is authentic or not, you have to contact them and they will issue a certificate of authenticity if it's a real Banksy. Oh, and you can't get that for a street artwork. Uh, there are two or three examples, exceptions that I know about where street works that were taken off the street mm -hmm. have been issued uh, certificates. Uh, these are early works that were uh, auctioned off for charity and stuff like that. Um, one recent example, though, is, is uh, one that was painted in Bristol called Mobile Lovers. Some of you may have seen it. Uh, two people embracing each other but looking over each other's shoulders and looking at their phones. Uh, that was issued a certificate of authenticity um, because it was, it was to be sold off in the benefit of a, of a youth club. Um, mm -hmm. But but in terms of authenticity, there is an authentication uh, body for Banksy's work, okay. uh, and they have just now branched into also dealing in secondhand works. So you can, if you have a Banksy work and you want to sell it through a trusted uh, broker, then you can go back to the source, and they will find another uh, client to buy it. So that's interesting. In keeping in mind that he doesn't make those artworks with the intent for them being sold, right? Uh, no, no, no. I, I mean, I'm talking about screen prints and original okay. paintings. Okay. The street works mm. that are, and and also he he's done some design work mm. uh, and uh, like record uh, covers and mm. and stuff like that, and also some decorations for some of his uh, for some of his gallery shows. And they're not uh, meant as artworks, and so they will not get uh, a certificate either. Okay, thanks um, for yeah. that out. Yeah, and so, so uh, the works that you're gonna, the work, the main work that you're gonna see in the film is one of these works that have been taken off the street, and uh, one of the issues that the sellers have or the current owners have is that it doesn't have a certificate of, of authenticity. So when they're trying to sell it for several hundred thousand uh, dollars, of course people are reluctant to to purchase such a work. Uh, the price is one thing. The other thing is that it's a big wall that weighs several metric tons, which makes it a bit difficult to um, uh, to to store. Yeah, four tons, I believe. Yeah. Um, Moa, uh, you mentioned that you you have been studying or working with the question of um, how we perceive the environment as being safe or unsafe, or threatening or secure. Um, I sort of know the answer to this question, but why do you think? Uh, I get the sense, at least, that we perceive street art to not 
feel threatening or unsafe at all. Whereas a, a graffiti tag, a scribble or, or something, does make us feel insecure. That's, that's at least the official policy, I, I get the impression. Uh, why, why do you think that is? Well, first of all, the physical environment, walls and bushes, and doesn't feel threatening. It's, it's the, uh, what the environment tells us about the people that stay there. That's uh, give us a feeling of safety and 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 to some people they feel that if there are um, uh, tags and um, damage to property, they uh, it's in the legal sense it's a uh, it's a criminal act. So they feel that that here is a place where people do criminal acts, hence and hence and so on. And uh, and also some graffiti work, uh, they have a very exclusive um, audience, so they are not uh, directed at uh, uh, the people, the normal people on the streets. Um, so not everybody understands it, and if you feel excluded uh, from understanding it, then it doesn't feel uh, safe in that way as well. Great, uh, uh, and and street art is often uh, like colorful and uh, more, I don't know, appealing to to the masses, I suppose. Yep, uh, it's perfect. You should mention because uh, Friday, come Friday night, we'll be showing a completely different type of film, and we'll be discussing that very fact: why tags are what they are, and why some people do them and love them, and why some people feel threatened or disgusted by them. So, thanks for bringing that up. Kiki, um, there's a claim in this movie where someone says that uh, Banksy will be regarded as one of the great uh, artists in the in the future to come, and so. And uh, have you reflected on that? What will be in museums in a hundred years? And um, is it, are, are those people right to who claim that street art and these uh, illicit illegal works will, will be placed in in museums in a hundred or two hundred years? Well. I, what I know for sure is that many artists of different kinds of, of art have been very famous in their own time, but totally forgotten or misunderstood or, or f just rejected in other times. So it's very, very hard when you're in the middle of something to say what is to come. And of course there are artists that were great in their their uh, own time that that became famous even after so i would say i i could i could not say anything about that but one thing that i want to to add to this with tags and and graffiti and street art and that is when we talk about cultural heritage and and uh, what we have, we, we often think that it's something positive. Mm. But heritage, what, what you get from, from, from the people before you, it doesn't have to be positive. And it can be very, very significant for a culture, even if it's not positive or, or good or legal or whatever. But what, that's the, what's for the, for the future to, to, to tell us, because... We can't judge it ourselves. So your job is to preserve things uh, as they are and not to beautify the, 
Yes, to to say and and also one thing that I'm I'm a conservator also, and I say that the best thing with with everything around this is that it disappears, and what we can do as humans and conservators is to just slow down the rate of degradation for a while, so we can study it a little longer. But everything will just fall apart. Can I add a More, question? Go yeah, go ahead. <laughs> well, uh, well, this kind of art form, it's, it's made for the streets. Should it really be moved into museums? And it's also made to be temporary. Should, it, should we really try to conserve it then? Well, that's a matter of, of this with owning and remembering. There's a lot of art that has been done for just disappearing that we try to keep just because we want to remember the time when it was done and that it has made an impact in society and we want to keep it and that's that's an open discussion what what shall we keep and what's happening when we start to conserve and and to take it out of the the situation it was made for so that's that's an ongoing discussion that we we there's no there's not one answer to that. Maybe one day we will see a street in Fredrikstad, the museum, outdoor museum with a street art street or something. Yes. Yeah, you never know. Well, that's already happening. Uh, in St. Petersburg, they have a street art museum. They've, they've taken um, actually a working uh, plastic laminate factory, but, part, but it's a huge area and part of it uh, is no longer used. And they have artists coming in and doing work there, and they call that a street art museum. Then you have a museum in, in Berlin, uh, Urban Nation, uh, which uh, has a collection. Of, well, they also facilitate work in the streets, so you could say that, that that's part of the museum. And, and, but it's a, an open discussion whether that's actually street art when it's sanctioned. I personally don't think it is. Um, and then they also have artists who are connected to the street art world in some way who are creating uh, canvases and movable objects that are meant to be preserved and they're host, uh, housed inside the museum. So, so that, that sort of thing is happening. Mm -hmm. But I think a key question is whether we need to materially preserve these artworks or whether it's enough to, to uh, preserve them through documentation, um, different types of documentation. And I think that one thing that people might want to think about also when watching this movie is whether we're missing the point if we try to materially preserve the work because for me at least street art is a lot more about an ongoing process than an individual work. It's about a dialogue that takes place in the street. So it's not about preserving one single work by one single artist but rather about the whole ecosystem that that work is a part of and about letting that work fade away, give way to something new, just as everything, as you say, falls apart and, and fades away, but gives life to something else. Can I ask one more question? <laughs> so uh, what, yeah, shoot. <laughs> what, <laughs> Go. What's the difference between the museum in St. Petersburg uh, trying to collect uh, art in a place like that? That's outdoors, right? Uh, it's partly outdoors and, and they also have uh, some buildings that are uh, not in use and actually in some of the work areas that are in use, some of the working factory, they have created murals in there as well. So right. it, it's, well, but it's both inside and outside, yeah. Well, if it, if it was only outside, what would be the difference between that and what we are trying to create on Söder here? 
except maybe the entrance fee. Yeah, there there is no I mean, real difference. Why, why does, what do I, they I call it? Museum. I, I guess I guess the difference is that um, it's more um, concentrated. So you, you you have an area where I mean, if you imagine that this whole block here was yes. completely covered, right? Right. But but it's also a question of what is a museum? What do we mean when we say museum? I was just at a conference in Lisbon where somebody proposed that, that street art already exists in a museum, an imaginary museum. I actually think that that's Tobias uh, Bansin Lidblad who has come up with that, that notion uh, that you know, we create our own museum through what we see. Yeah. It's not a physical place, it's a mental state. Um, and I, I kind of like that idea. Uh, but that doesn't fit in with what I as an art historian would understand as a museum and what curators would understand as a museum because that's a highly controlled environment that is uh, built on, on certain curators' tastes, right? And, and it's, it's very, very heavily controlled. If we talk about an imaginary museum where every, every one of us can have our own idea of what is valuable, then curators start to lose their power and, and uh, the question becomes, you know, what do we need them for? <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> would like, like to add that yeah. actually ICOM, the in, what is the, I have to International Co Committee of Museums, mm -hmm. Council of Museums, mm -hmm. they are right now uh, changing the definition of what a museum is. Oh. So it's it's because so much has happened uh, from the old collections in large buildings from the end of the 19th century and onwards. And now there are uh, museums of uh, intangible heritage. You have museums without walls. You have, like you say, whole, whole, whole uh, cities are, are with the with World Heritage label put, made into museums. And as you said, this with giving the the significance to something can also destroy it just because of naming it something else and wanting to save it mm. so there is a, a ongoing discussion what what is a museum and m museum usually have a very good connotation and you, you it has a value and it's good to be a museum so so people also trying to benefit from that mm. naming the museum without fulfilling the idea of a museum so so it's very hard today to say what is a museum thank you i think unfortunately we had to end on that note i, I have a feeling we could go on for a while and maybe we can on the side or something but um i'd like to thank all three of you for coming out and uh, you gave me a lot of food for thought and i i hope someone else got that too uh but without further ado i think it's uh, time to hit the projector and uh see this film brought to you by Art Street HBG and uh, Doc Lounge. Uh, the man who stole Banksy. Go! There's hot coffee over there in the, in the car there, if you're freezing.